Miles. Miles? Yes. The Oilers are going to the Western Conference Final. Oh! <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> what a, a time to be alive! A Western Conference preview show episode of One for One, Nolan. Who would have thought? <laughs> Certainly not me. Can you can you believe we knocked everybody for a loop? We went we went there 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 was no traditional intro today because the Oilers don't deserve a traditional intro. For once, I'm giving them credit because <laughs> they 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 defeated a monster on the way up to Goliath. Because oh. Miles, the Edmonton Oilers are about to face off against the Colorado Avalanche in the Western Conference Final. I know like 34 seconds ago I said um who would have who who would have who would have thought not me but I mean we both going back to our brackets Nolan we both had this uh Colorado Edmonton Oilers series circled on the calendar we both were were correct in thinking that which Nolan I hate to uh, pump our own tires but uh at NHL for their you know uh nhl.com prediction series type of things out of 12 experts only three of them picked the Oilers advancing. So we are uh, we are dunking on NHL.com staff writers, left, left right, and center. Um, I was going to say, you actually had the only correct bracket so far with regards to the Edmonton Oilers path. Because remember, <laughs> I had the Minnesota Wild beating the Colorado Avalanche. Oh, Whoopsie. shoot. Never mind. Hey, respect for you to call yourself out like that. But hey, you know what? Here we are. Uh, and I'm, I, can't, I can't act all high and mighty because uh, my Stanley Cup champion is out. And we'll get to that, Nolan, because today we have a very exciting episode for the folks at home. We are going to be on this 30th episode of well, the One for One podcast. We are going to be replaying the five games from the Edmonton Oilers Calgary Flames series. We will then move into a general Oilers overview, talking about uh, what we're liking, what we're not liking, guys that are impressing, guys that are not, uh, and just some general uh, a general chit-chat. After that, we're going to look at the other series in the National Hockey League that have wrapped up while we are recording on Monday, May 30th. Uh, the New York Rangers and Carolina Hurricanes are currently battling in Game 7 to decide who will face off against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Once we go through the rest of our NHL discussion, uh, we have a few other quick points. We'll go over next week's agenda and yeah, get you out of here with a click, click, quick, clean and crispy episode. Oh boy, Miles, did you see the update so far in the Rangers Hurricanes game? No, I was watching it uh, just before we were recording. Um, what's uh, what what to be happening? Holy shit. Yeah. Holy Two shit nothing Rangers. Correct. So I uh, I prepared a few uh, fun facts, Nolan, about Game 7s. I thought you were going to say about hurricanes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool, too. Um, natural disasters may not be cool, per se, um, but uh, the like um, science behind them is, is quite interesting. It's rather interesting. I, 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 actually, I actually had a presentation in grade one on tornadoes because I was very fascinated by tornadoes. In my, That's the, did, did you I, quote Twister? 
I well, I saw the movie Twister uh, on TV and I got scared of it, so I was deathly afraid of tornadoes. So, in a moment of irrational confidence, I told everybody that I was a big fan of tornadoes because I thought I was cool for liking tornadoes. Uh, so, yes, I did quote the movie Twister, and I also uh, did do the the classic like. Uh, where you uh, tape two pop bottles together and you put water in them and then you swirl it around and then you show the little funnel coming down. Yeah. Yeah. That got me a lot of brownie points within school. I was in grade one and like the, uh, I think it was like a grade, I think, I think I like went to a high school or something and did a presentation in high school. <laughs> like, did you know, am I the next, like, am I the next Albert Einstein? No, I think you're, um, who neil patrick harris who was his character when he doogie was hauser. Uh, yeah you're the next doogie hauser um did you know one of the like cars or like campers or something from twister is like in saskatchewan at like a wreckage yard i did not know that yeah i, I i've driven by it through work I'll, I'll have to have some answers um for it and I'll kind have of to have some yeah. answers <laughs> some answers you're like a hard you're a hard you're a hard-hitting detective Dude, I honestly, sometimes I, th- I think I am. I think that that's a part of my uh, of my character arc that we haven't quite gotten to yet, but is is coming nonetheless. That, that's only when you smoke cigarettes and drink Crown. <laughs> uh, doesn't happen. Never. <laughs> um, but you know what, Nolan? Speaking of smoking cigarettes and drinking Crown, um, I didn't want to do that very badly um, this playoff series. But game one of the Flames and Oilers series, Nolan, let me tell you, there was some uh, uh, substances that <laughs> would not <laughs> numb the pain of that game. Holy goodness, hell. Do you want to take a time machine back to May 18th with me and talk about Ooh. talk about game one of this series, which I have titled Scorgasm? Boy, this was a... This was... Okay, actually, before we even open up talking about this game, we need to talk about the most important thing that happened that night. Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada for their <laughs> goddamn intro. Holy smokes. If anyone did not watch this, I don't know if it's on YouTube, but I know it was on Twitter. I was sharing it around quite a bit. Um, they got to Motley Cruz kickstart my heart to get the get the crowd pumped up for uh, the upcoming Battle of Alberta. And boy, did it did it deliver? I have a funny story about Kickstart My Heart that I think it would be kind of uh, nice to chat about. I saw a tweet a couple of years ago, and it was like, um, "You're the main character in an action movie where you need to like rescue your wife. Uh, she's been kidnapped in a foreign country. When you're driving to meet the kidnappers, are you playing music? Yes or no? If yes, what song?" And I tweeted, uh, "Kickstart My Heart, Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue." I got like 14 favorites on it and I felt I, really, really popular. I've, I actually think I remember you tweeting that. Because that's an electric song. It, oh, it's it's incredible. It's so good. It's, um, I think they, what, what was it? The, I'm trying to think of the best use besides the Battle of Alberta. Um, there's a movie called, uh, there's a movie called Shoot 'em Up. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Pro- definitely not. Um, anyways, it's got uh, Clive Owen and Paul Giamatti in it. It's pretty cool. Paul Giamatti, um, the guy from uh, Big Fat Liar? Yes, the guy from Big Fat Liar. I've seen Big Fat Liar. I I figured you've seen Big Fat Liar. That's very much a Miles flick. Yeah, um, buddy. But but Shoot 'Em Up has this very cool scene where they jump out of an airplane because I think the airplane explodes or something. And uh, the whole point of this movie is that they're doing like acrobatic shit with handguns. Um, in 2022, probably not that chill of a subject matter to have in a movie. But anyways, um. They're they're 
like they're in they, they have parachutes on their back but they haven't deployed them so they're skydiving shooting at each other in the air and kickstart my heart is playing during that scene i think that i think it i think it starts playing the moment they open up the friggin door on the plane and it's goes, the, yeah i was gonna say do they have the motorcycle yeah. intro oh absolutely they do Future Nolan here. I regret to inform you that it was not the plain scene of Shoot 'em Up. It was actually the ending of Shoot 'em Up. Um, I apologize for this mistake. Uh, the song actually in the plain scene was uh, the ACDC uh, masterpiece of a track, If You Want Blood, You've Got It, off of their magnum opus, uh, 1979's Highway to Hell. Um, yeah, go watch Shoot 'em Up and listen to Highway to Hell. And I'll, you know what? I'll also listen to Dr. Feelgood. That's a damn good album by Motley Crue. Thank you. Bye bye that's the the term rock star is getting thrown around willy-nilly these days but that's pretty rock star i think i think you should watch shoot him up now miles i might have to might have there's, to add it there's to the also, matrix there's also okay one last thing i'll say about it is there's a cool scene where this like bad guy has has his gun and he's trying to he's he's, he's trying to find clive owen and then he gets impaled by a carrot <laughs> and then clive owen says eat your vegetables <laughs> how that's, sick is that, that that is sick. That's letting the people at home know that they're, it's not only nutritious and delicious, but it's uh, also good that's like, eyes. how do you like them apples? Like, it's yeah. just, you know, that's just a classic movie line. Uh, but cool speaking stuff. of speaking of bad guys, Nolan, Flames and Oilers facing off against each other. So we're getting to play the ultimate bad boy in the National Hockey League, Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. Who is yeah. a character in this game whose name we will be talking about a fair amount? So that out of the way, game one starts, um, and it's dog shit. I don't know how I don't know how to put that uh, much more nicely. Um, Smith went in, and I think what what was it? Two goals in the first like literal minute of the game. Yeah, yeah, awesome, very cool, sick. Uh, so Smith allowed three goals on ten shots. He got pulled for Miko, not the cat Nolan, the goaltender. Uh, who allowed five goals on 37 shots. So he actually settled in not too terribly for the game, but still five goals in a playoff game. Uh, holy heck. Not to be outdone, Nolan, at the other end of the ice, the six-by-six six man, Jacob Markstrom, uh, he had uh, six goals allowed on 27 shots. So this game I watched at the No Free Ads Canadian Brew House with a group of buddies. We had a, a couple of guys together, went there for some wings, went there for some beers. Oh, I had my... When I, yeah, it is, I had my Jordan Eberle Royal Blue Edmonton Oilers jersey on just so that everybody in the building knew how long I've been suffering. Um, and the suffering continued as I sat at that table and was ridiculed by three Flames fans around me just screaming their freaking heads off. And I was sick to my stomach watching it. Um, some of the pictures, some of the Snapchats that got captured are quite funny. And um, I'm glad that we can look back on them and laugh because at that moment, I was ready to just dig a hole and bury my head in it as the Oilers didn't look like they had a whole lot of fight in them. Uh, some of the highlights from this game, Nolan, Zachary Martin Hyman, who I will remind you is a children's author. Get used to hearing that ladies and gentlemen, because this guy is hot, hot, hot. He is a very dark piece of toast. He's burning up game by game. For and this you, really said, who's the hottest Jonas brother? Three, two, one, Nick. Really? Oh, 100%. Who are you to say? I'll give it Joe. I'm certainly not giving it to Kevin. <laughs> I was worried that you were going to be like, oh, yeah, he's actually kind of like ugly sexy. No, it's got to be Joe. No, it's 100% Nick. 
Okay. All right. Uh, so Zach Hyman, you're going to hear a lot about uh, highlight of this game. He had two goals. Connor McDavid had one goal and three assists. So a four point night for him. Leon Dreisaitl had one goal and two assists. Nuge had two assists. Yamo had one goal and one assist. Um, and I already talked about Nuge. Here we are. I think, uh, you kind of, I think you kind of buried the lead on this game a little bit. What's that? Sorry. I said, I think you kind of buried the lead on this a little bit. How um, do you mean? In meaning that the flames inevitably went up six one mm-hmm. and at the at begin- one point at it the was beginning of the third period six, six. Yeah. they t- the oilers tied it because jacob markstrom was having a uh a, 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 a master class in goaltending performance and by master class i mean asked her class because boy that was stinky and uh and, and i mean it kind of foreshadowed a lot of the issues that would happen for the flames in this series going forward. Very, um, very true. But, uh, but yeah, and it, it, that was, that was, and that kind of foreshadowed a lot of what impressed me about the Oilers in this series too. I know that we're kind, I'm kind of spoil spoiling the rest of the series a little bit, but um, well, if, if you don't know by now how this series ended, you're Sam Losco and trailer park boys. If you're a literal caveman. Um, to wrap this game up, though, Nolan, uh, on the other side of the docket, um, Matthew Kachuk had a hat trick. Blake Coleman had two goals. Andrew Menjapani had one goal and two assists. It was just a mess of a game. Uh, ended up being 9 6 for the Flames, despite the Oilers, like you said, coming back from that 6 1 deficit uh, to tie things up at 6 6. There just wasn't enough uh, petroleum in the motor to keep it going, and they dropped this one 6 1. Uh, one of them, or sorry, 9 6. Holy shit. I, I wish it was 6 1. Maybe I don't wish it was 6 1. I don't know. Times are tough after this game. My brain hurt. I didn't feel very good. Um, One of the storylines of this game, and it really got things started uh, on the wrong foot, right foot, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, Matthew Kachuk's chirps to Evander Kane were like next level ruthless. (laughs) Yeah. This is is the game when he was calling him broke and like, you poor bastard, you poor bastard in the penalty box. Yeah. Yeah. Which, okay. Um, I wanted to do like a roster breakdown for the flames where I go through and make fun of like every player on the flames, but I think I'm just going to kind of do it as we go. And as the inspiration strikes, Matthew Kachuk, we've spoken at length about on this show. And I think that he's like the definition of a guy that you want on your team and absolutely hate when he's on the other team. Um, He's crossed the line a couple of times this year. And I'm not just saying it because it's a Vander Kane and we have like a soft spot for him and we're a big fan, but that was pretty like, I don't know. That's a, yeah, that's, that's pretty, per- that's personal. And a Vander yeah. Kane sucks. A Vander Kane sucks off the ice. We're not defending the actions of one of Vander Kane, but like, come on, man. Yeah. I, 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 I do agree with you in, in like, in that sentiment is like kind of keep the chirps on the ice more than anything is like, I think that you, when you kind of step over that boundary, you're kind of crossing, you're, you're really crossing a line and you kind of have to know how to toe that line. And, uh, at the end of the day, like, it's nothing that I think it's something that Evander came probably, I wouldn't say he necessarily laughs at on his own, but he's kind of come to terms with that. The fact that everybody kind of knows his situation and it's being talked about as freely as it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, uh, it's funny, but also, yeah, you're right. Like it's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's kind of a gray area more than anything. It's a, he's a, it's a guy who has a reputation. Both guys have a reputation, but like Kachuk, um, 
who's that guy? And this is funny that I'm saying who's this guy, but who was the guy on the Predators that he was like asking if he wanted an autograph? Like, do you, do you want me to sign a stick for you, buddy? Like, do you remember oh, that? Oh, fuck. Um, I honestly don't remember. Yeah, I honestly I, don't remember. I think that that's okay. And there's quite a bit of evidence, like guys, like uh, Matthews did that to a guy in the preseason. He like was looking around his back at his name because yeah, he was like uh, trying to figure out who yeah, he was. Scott Sabrin, that's who it Ex- was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like there are instances where, you know, stars will call out um, newer players in the league or guys that are trying to get their footing in and be like, who are you? And kind of make comments like that. But I do think that anytime you bring like the personal aspect into it, it, it like uh, like Kachuk did with Kane here. Um, might have been a little bit too far, but at the end of the day, Evander Kane got the last laugh. Yeah, it's true, and and yeah, like it, it, yeah, that's that's probably all we can leave it at. That um, shall we get to the next game? Absolutely, Nolan, because game two was La Bamba Tunes back in action. It's supposed to be a play on Looney Tunes back yeah, in action yeah, I, I, because. I the Oilers came away with a 5-3 win on May 20th. Uh, Woody did what Woody does and came back immediately with White, with Mike Smith. There were some questions about whether Koskinen or Smith would start this game. Uh, I, I don't really think it was a question. It was more I so just like so people either. in the media speculating, yeah. but came right back with Smitty. Everything was good to go there. Um, but watching this game, Nolan, I got incredibly nervous again because the Oilers were down 2 nothing like six minutes into the game after Richie and like Mark Stone scored or something Michael. like that. Michael, Michael Stone. Stone. Sorry, Mike, Michael Skarn uh, <laughs> scored. And yeah, I was like, oh, great. The, the Oilers are doing Oilers things and they're just going to get absolutely smoked. Um, but they managed to battle back and it was 3-1 Flames early in the second period. And then the boys really started moving. Um, I think if I had to look at any moment of this series, as like when the Oilers finally came to play and when the Oilers maybe turned the tides in the series, I would say that it was probably at this second period of game two um, because yeah, the momentum shifted and I don't think it ever really came back. Uh, Dry had one goal and two assists. Duncan Keith had one goal and two assists. Um, A man who we've never said a negative thing about on this podcast, by the way, always sung his praises. Connor McDavid was one for one. Evan Bouchard had another goal. Uh, so did Zachary Hyman. Let's go, boys. This is a big win, and they managed to even up the series heading back to Edmonton. Very, I, very solid game. I watched this game with my dad. Um, yes. I actually watched both uh, Game 2 and Game 3 with my father, and uh, it was a it was a classic a classic guy's weekend and we just sinking beers just, and... a, just a couple of just a couple of dudes watching watching the watching the game just farting into the couch basically yeah just um, farting or the or the uh or the uh high chairs at boston pizza uh yeah but, but we no free ads yes no free ads but if you do want to uh, uh if you want to have advertisements for us boston pizza we would love to uh we, we would I... love to read advertisements for you as we're shitting on the flames and pizza boy GM Brad for living is so, the heir to the BP's dynasty. I, I, I'm going to get into that. <laughs> so, so for this, so for this game, uh, my dad and I decided to do the uh, one for one shotgun challenge for the, for, for the game. And yeah, the Oilers scored five goals. So that meant uh, five shotguns of five beers. And um, my heavens, when Leon scored the, or sorry, 
uh, when Hyman scored the 4-3 goal, I was in the bathroom and my dad was like, that's my boy, hardworking Hyman, let's go. And I came out and I'm like, what happened? And he told me the great news. And so we celebrated and all that. And then my dad was upstairs when Leon scored and I lost my mind. I'm like, dad, 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 Leon scored. And it was just, a, it was just a great time. It was just awesome. you. You're one of the louder guys I know. Thank you. And and Richard is also like loud. I can't like you're doing this impression of you guys screaming, and I can't imagine the neighbors were happy. Uh, Miles, that we keep our windows closed. <laughs> as one as one should. You know what, man? Those better be triple pane because I don't even know if that's holding the, the noise when the Schumann boys get into the Coors and Bud Lights. But either way, Nolan. A clean game wrapped up by the Oilers. Thank you for coming out. Take care. Brush your hair. We're moving on to... Quite possibly the the best game the Oilers played this entire series. This game was... I've titled this one Home Soil Slash Evander Insanity as the Oilers picked up a 4-1 W here on May 22nd. Now, this was the Monday, the holiday... Or, sorry, the Sunday... Yeah. Of, of Labor Day long weekend. So I actually watched this game with, uh, with a friend of ours, Nolan, a friend of the show, Mr. Syed, we got together. Oh, hell first, yeah. Shout yeah. out Syed. First time that we've seen each other since before COVID. So it was really nice to get together. He's a Flames fan. I'm an Oilers fan. So we sat and had dinner and watched the game and, and caught up. And um, boy, could not have been a better one to watch with someone. <laughs> <Flames fan>, because <laughs> I think at one point, I think, I think at the Evander Kane's second goal, I watched his soul leave his body. And the funny part about this game is that they're like the first period pass and it was tied zero zero, but this was pure domination. This was foot on the gas from the very beginning. And uh, because I think after the, the, the first period, the shots were something along the lines of like 20 to six or something like that. It was uh, insane. 21 yeah, it, to seven. Yeah. Yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> Yeah, and it wasn't really until the Flames just started putting shots on at the end of the third period where they inevitably did get one goal, but it just kind of felt like empty calorie offense. So there was just <laughs> a lot of there was just a lot of sort of outside shots being put on net more than anything, but um I mean the story of this game is a couple things. Well, number one, Zach, Zachary Martin Hyman, children's author. Did you know that? I don't know. I didn't know that. I don't know if I'm being reminded of it every time on Twitter when he scores. Uh and uh, yeah, Evander Kane, who Bob Stoffer must remember to remind us every time Evander Kane scores, the best midseason edition, quite possibly of all time, Evander Kane, because he had a natural hat trick in the second period, scoring his eighth, ninth, and tenth goals of the postseason. Yes, ten goals in like at this point, ten games. Yeah, ten. What a ridiculous feat. Is he going to get an article in TSN? Is he? Are they going to be like, wow, Evander Kane, 10 and 10. This is so incredible. We should be putting him in the Hall of Fame right now. That yeah, I mean, prob- yeah. <laughs> I mean, probably not. But <laughs> uh, yeah, he scored, essentially he scored two of those three goals pretty much the same way. Pass from Connor, dangle, dangle, tuck, which is uh, a patented move of his. That's the, the, the triple deke of the Mighty Ducks day and age. Uh, but he was a monster that night. Um, Incredible. One of the other stories of this game, Nolan, was uh, Milan Lucic's antics oh, as the game yes. as the game was four nothing in the third period. Lucic decides to go um, roll on eighteen wheeler, roll home, 
and run Mike Smith, uh, who is out of the net playing the puck. Um, yeah, this got a lot of attention. Smith ended up leaving the game due to concussion protocol, came back. And then, as you mentioned, the Flames got a late one there. Uh, Shillington scored. But uh, this game was pretty damn dominant. And the tail of the tape was just a very clean, tidy Oilers win. Uh, Lucic hit. Nolan, what are your thoughts on that? Because I know that a lot of people, well, the the, the famous soundbite from Lucic was like, if I wanted to hit him, I would have hit him. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what's your take? Curious to hear your take. I don't think a suspension was warranted. Um, I think the, I think the, because yeah, you got a five minute major, right? A five minute major game misconduct or something like that. He did, yeah. Yeah. I think that's fine. I, I don't, I didn't really see it as much of a, much as a, horrible like uh, you've heard that everybody said this on every outlet but like it wasn't the ryan miller incident like this is nothing near close to what he did when he was with boston and he ran ryan miller um yeah it's just kind of more of just of a chintzy luch move more than anything this yeah, isn't it, something that we're new to exactly scummy but at the end of the day it's playoff hockey and and guys yeah. are gonna guys are gonna get hit um had smith gotten hurt i don't know if my opinion would have changed i just would have been like more outraged by it but yeah at the end of the day like i you can see lucic takes a little bit off but uh the fact that he did that in a four nothing game in the third period like it's just stupid luch um so here's my luch note nolan my luch player profile lucic is the ex-girlfriend that for some reason things ended horribly with and as much as you want to say you've grown and matured as a person, you get way too much pleasure hearing that things aren't going well in her life from, <laughs> from people that you used to be close with. Like, oh, her car got totaled? Like, that sucks. But you're kind of like, yeah. So when I see Lucic golfing uh, one more time in May, feels good. Feels this, sounds nice. like, this sounds like the, the, the plot of a Theory of a Dead Man song. <laughs> it does yeah it does kind of have some theory of a dead man vibes uh but hopefully lucic will go back to vancouver and drink beer outside of that rink that he won a stanley cup in sorry sorry canuck fans <laughs> on behalf of miles and i actually he he's probably not he's probably not apologetic at all me yeah absolutely not never ever um miles shall we get to game four Game four, Nolan, as I've titled Home Soil 2, Evander Insanity 2 with a side of Nuggy. I think that this is I think that this is the Nuge game through and through. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is this is like how do I put this? This was like a historic moment in the eleven year career of Ryan Nugent Hopkins. <laughs> Nuge. This was everything that we had hoped for. Um like, I, I remember when the pandemic first started, and you remember when I would randomly text you saying, uh, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm about to say this on the podcast, so I, I apologize to everybody who's just hearing this. You remember when I randomly texted you one morning, and it was like, I think it was like 5.30 in the morning, my time. So you would have gotten the text at like 4 in the morning your time. I said something along the lines of like, hey, I just listened to Hell Yeah and imagine Nuge scoring a huge playoff goal and giving a fist bump, and I started crying. <laughs> this was exactly it. <laughs> life, art imitates life, <laughs> Nolan. Um, because 21 minutes or 21 seconds into this game, Jacob Markstrom 
holy shit, doing his best Mike Smith impersonation, turns the puck over, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins has an empty net to score on, and uh, that was basically the uh, theme of the game going forward. Um, Because then afterwards, Zach Hyman scores his seventh of the year on the power play. Uh, Evander Kane then continues his hot streak with his 11th goal in 11 games, puts them up 3-0 in the first period. However... (laughs) We are talking about the Edmonton Oilers. And I don't know about you, Miles, but after that first period was over, I was like, yeah, 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 this is awesome. Um, Not totally certain that this is going to end well because 9-0-4 into the second, Elias Lindholm gets his fifth of the season. About 36 seconds after that, Michael Backlund gets his fourth of the, of the postseason. And then in the third period, shall we talk about the goal? So can I can I be honest with you for a minute? Yes. I did not watch this game. We had we had ball hockey this night. But you so, know about the goal though, right? Which goal are you referring to? The most embarrassing goal Mike Smith has allowed this postseason so far. Oh yeah. Yeah. The one the one from Vagerville. Yeah. <laughs> this is this isn't just from Vagerville. This is from like uh, uh North Battleford. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can get down with that. Um, Rasmus Anderson scores his third of the postseason on a shorthanded, uh, he was shorthanded because the Oilers were on a power play with a chance to go up, um, at this point four, two, but instead it becomes a three, three hockey game because Rasmus Anderson scores a goal with, I Asmus. believe, Asmus Anderson. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, which I believe he was, let me just get my, uh, let me just get my statistics ahead of me and we'll see just how far away it was. Uh, I believe it was 132 feet. Rockstar. Uh, very, very, very impressive. Um, and <sighs> when this point accuracy, uh, truly, uh, Chris Kyle, American sniper. <laughs> but this is like this goal was I, when it when it happened. I immediately went, please do not be the goal that ruins this because that, that, series back that the other is way. a series sinking goal because if in fact the Oilers lose this game it all gets traced back to that 132 foot goal and then we're tied 2-2 in the series rather than up 3-1 in the series yeah you you can't speak enough to how important it was for them to come back and get over that like I agree with you a thousand percent because like you said that's you trace that back and that means that they both split a home and a home stand each, right? Like both teams won one in the other team's barn and lost one in the other team's barn. And you go back to two tied. No, the Oilers wrap it up. They do what the Flames couldn't do. Take both of the games at home like they need to. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Chance to close it out. Um, so I like the way that you put it. You put that quite poetically, that it was a ser- potentially series sinking goal. Thank you very much, Miles. I'm working on it. Uh, but you know, you know who wasn't going to let the series sink? miles first overall pick from 2011 world renowned gretzky vision maybe maybe disappointing career overall maybe a little bit but you know what it's it doesn't matter because he's an oiler forever he's gonna retire an oiler 93 will be raised to the rafters because ryan nugent hopkins scores his fourth of the postseason Putting the Oilers up 4-3 with roughly three and a half minutes remaining in the hockey game. 
And boy, was I elated. I made so much noise that I woke Taylor up and she had to work the next day. And I felt kind of bad. Um, And I mean, these are the moments that guys like this are made for is like, this is, and this is what we were talking about. Uh, I believe, was it, was it when we, we, it was either when we first started the series or when we were doing the overall playoff preview is guys lower down the lineup need to find their moment. It doesn't matter what you did in the regular season. It didn't matter what you did in the first round. Every round is a new series and you can rewrite history. And that's exactly what Nuge and that's exactly what Zach Hyman did this series is they have just tremendous series Um, because ultimately that was going to be the game winning goal. Evander Kane luckily ices the game, putting them up 5-3 on the power play with an empty netter after um, was it Blake Coleman had that brutal high stick on Ryan McLeod. Um, I don't know if you saw that, but Ryan McLeod was just pissing blood everywhere. Um, no, again, no, I didn't see it. I was, I, I was at ball hockey. So I had a uh, shout West coast. Mal was texting me updates so that when I checked my phone, I had like a scroll through play by play, um, which was very nice of her to do. I very much appreciate that. So uh, shout, shout out WCM for being uh, oh, very, wow. very nice. Some, somebody's taken over the role that I used to have, but okay. I guess I'm being replaced. <laughs> Fuck me then. Uh, <laughs> well, Hey, get on your friggin' phone, bud. And, and, and hit me up. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. You're, 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 you're about you to get to you're about to get the most annoying text of all time now. I'm literally <laughs> just gonna be like, I'm just gonna be like Connor McDavid high stick, 15, 20 remaining in the second. <laughs> I'm gonna block your number. <laughs> Delay of game penalty, six forty nine left in the third. <laughs> um so yes, Nolan. Game is over. Vander Kane ice is it. We are headed back to Calgary with the flames on the ropes, uh down three one in this series and i believe this was the game where oilers fans were scummy on the internet correct can i mention one last thing um, yes absolutely about, about game four is ryan nugent hopkins post-game interviews were just and hyman's post-game interview too on the yeah, ice news <laughs> leads into the mic Nuge. um i watched the interview that ryan nugent hopkins did with scott oak uh, for the post game, and it was so touching because he s- said something along the lines of like, you know, I'm so damn excited to be able to possibly move on to the next round, and it, and you could tell by just the emotion on his face. This guy's like, I've been with this team, I barely made the playoffs, I'm finally here. We're about to reach that reach that next step, and the the vibes, the vibes. Oh my god. If we're talking vibes, the vibes are immaculate at the moment, like just <laughs> through the roof. And uh, then there was a nice little moment afterwards too, where I think it was him and Mike Smith were being interviewed, and <laughs> it was something on the lot. I think they asked uh, they asked Nuge about. I want to say it was Zach Hyman, and uh, he said, "Oh yeah, he comes to you know he comes to the rink every day. He works his ass off. Uh, he work he works his butt off." Yeah, <laughs> he just like corrected him, man. I'm like. That is such a nuge. Very nuge. Absolute absolute nuge. Um, But yeah, overall good game. Overall good game. Uh, Oilers are playing good. Oilers are looking good. The fans in Edmonton are going absolutely freaking bananas. Chugging Mickeys on top of statues. Like they're going full-blown supernova party mode in Edmonton. Uh, And maybe had a little bit too much fun. Because after this game... After this game, there was a video that was out on a post on Twitter um, where a couple Oilers fans were riding in an elevator with, I believe, uh, Mange and, and Yankrook. 
Uh, it was uh, Mange and Backland. It was Mange and Backland. Okay, my apologies. So they were riding in an elevator with Mange and Backland and like recording them and like chirping them and talking about like, who's going to pick it up? Uh, yeah. And also like posting like what floor they were on at the hotel and stuff like that in the video. Like they weren't hiding where these guys were to give them any sort of like anonymous ability to just, you know, sneak away in enemy territory, uh, which like, hor- not like cool. that's not brutal. Cool. That's brutal that. to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a really scummy move. And the one thing I will have to give Oiler fans credit for is that a lot of people did did like say that that guy's a fucking asshole for doing that. Yeah. Like, no, I don't. I didn't see very. I don't. I didn't see honestly anything on Twitter where Oilers fans were like, "This guy's cool." Like yeah, everybody yeah. was just roasting this guy and calling yeah. him an idiot. Yeah. And so that that was really nice to see. And like once again, though, like it's the same thing if a Flames fan ever did something similar or it's even about, you know, that's the same as the the fan when uh, when uh, McDavid took his parents out to the restaurant and it was like, hey, Connor, why aren't you guys playing better? It's like that doesn't represent the entire fan base. So let's just kind of get that out of the way. But yeah, it's it's a stupid, scummy move that I and at the, at the end of the day, like, you know, I know that I'm I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of a bit of a hypocrite for it because I like low key kind of stalked the Oilers at a hotel and told everybody low about, key? It on, this, I, about, <laughs> about it on this podcast. But at the at the end of the day, I also tried to somewhat respect their privacy and like didn't record them and take a bunch of pictures of them and like didn't fucking haze them while they were walking through or heckle them. That's a better term. Um, heckle them as they were walking through. So just picture you, you're in the hotel uh, lobby and the Oilers are running through and you're like, come on, Rooks. And you're like snapping them with a wet towel. There's haze in them. Hey, Mike, you got an 8.899 in your last four games. What the fuck, buddy? <laughs> Classic Nerlin. <laughs> you make me sound like a horrible person. I'm just teasing you. My well, guy. you know what, Miles? Andrew Mangiapane and Michael Backlund almost had the last laugh because they scored the first two goals in game five for the Ab- Calgary Flames. Absolutely, they did, Nolan. And this game, uh, again, on May 26th, I have titled WCF Confirmed Per Connor. Oh, that makes me feel so good to hear. <laughs> um, so imagine Backlund put the Flames up 2 nothing Again, I'm at ball hockey this game. So WCM... <laughs> is sending me updates and I'm looking at my phone and seeing two, uh, one, nothing flame, sad face two nothing flame, shock face. And I'm like, I might as well just throw this into the river. I'm actually surprised you didn't write in the notes here. The, uh, the biggest story of this game. Um, anyways, uh, so let's kind of get it out of the way. Shall we? We'll just kind of cruise through it. Um, basically flames went up to nothing and then somehow some way. And I like the Oilers looked so out of this, like the, 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 like the first period they looked all right. But once the second started, it looked like the game was starting to revert back to the control and the dominance that Calgary had in the early goings of the series and really through the regular season. Um, and that's kind of the overall thing that I saw out of this team was that, they just didn't look like themselves throughout the series. Like they didn't look like that that hard forechecking team that gets so many shots on net and not only not only multiple shots on net but high quality shots on net. Yeah. Um, and but yet when they started going in this game and once they went up to nothing, it looked like it was it looked like it was done from there on out. Um but 
Darnell Nor Dar Darnell Norris, I almost said it. Uh, Darnell Nurse scores his second of the postseason, putting the Oilers back in it two one with about seven forty left in the or sorry seven forty into the second, and then following that right up, Miles, big goal from a big boy with a big smile and a big head. Yes, Pooley And the smallest scores. helmet. <laughs> the smallest helmet and the cutest pup scores to tie it up to two. Uh, let's go. And following that up right after on a Oilers power play, Zach Hyman scores his eighth of the postseason. And I think like his, what, sixth in the series? Oh my Disgusting. goodness. What a freak. Uh, putting the Oilers up 3-2 with 14.57 left in the second. But that lead was shortly was shortly held because Johnny Gaudreau scores his third, putting uh, tying the game back up at three three, and then following that right up, only seconds later, Kelly Yarncroke, with his first of the postseason, scores to make it four three Flames. Um, and this was actually a, a player that I've been talking about, or I talked about with uh, FFK, and. He had said to me, he's like, I cannot believe Cal Yarncrook has not scored yet. And I said, he hasn't scored yet? Like, that was a pretty big acquisition for them. Mm-hmm. And I guess he just hadn't really done a whole lot. So, well, yeah, sorry. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get into, we'll get into flames overall once. We yeah, 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 of course. Um, and then, but luckily, right out, and this was, this game was a freaking freak show. Like, it, it was just ties, go ahead goals, ties, deficits, everything going all at once. Uh, Evan Bouchard. Only seconds, or only about a thirty seconds after the Cali Yarncroke or scores his third of the postseason, with coming off of Leon Drysaddle's eighteenth assist <laughs> of the playoffs. This, just <laughs> stupid numbers from from Leon and Connor, uh, which puts the game at four four going into the third. Let's talk about everything until about five minutes left in the game. Uh, no goals happened. And with about five minutes left in the game, um, Michael Backlund puts a shot on net, and Blake Coleman uh, scores. But then the refs decide, we're going to take a quick look at this. So, Miles, should we, and obviously everybody knows what happened in this game, um, your thoughts right now. On the goal? Yeah. Um. Like it went, it, 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 the puck was in the air. Coleman was skating and it hit off his foot and went in, correct? Yep. Yeah. Like, okay. Was it a goal? Probably. Like, it didn't look like he was playing soccer. It didn't look like a kicking motion or anything like yep. that. It's just, it's a puck redirect, right? So, like, yep. by, bias aside, is it a goal? Probably. But, and I got into this a little bit with, uh, friend of the show good guy no problems whatsoever not chirping but got into this a little bit with a buddy flames fan landon who was complaining about the refs not complaining but like doing the flames fan thing and i get it like because if the shoe is on the other foot i would oh, be 100%. making yeah. comments yeah. as well too but i think the fact of the matter is and i don't want to steal your thunder on this one nolan because i think that we both agree if you're gonna say that the flames got robbed of the series because of that goal. I think that you're like just trying to find solace in something to justify how they played in the series, because that didn't lose the flames. The series, no, no, that, no, that goal didn't lose the flames. The series that they should have played better in two, three and four. If yeah. you want to, if you want to make any sort of argument that, 
you know, that was a series breaker or anything like that. It was a bounce that didn't go their way. And Connor yeah. scores, wins the game in overtime, series done. <laughs> way to spoil it. <laughs> well, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, 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 no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, the, uh, I guess we probably should have mentioned, if, yeah, Connor McDavid scored a seventh of the playoffs to win the game in overtime. It was fucking awesome. We lost our minds. And, and, and we'll get into, like, just how great Connor McDavid is afterwards. Um, I already have my lotion ready. But uh, <sighs> the, <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. And I would agree. Like, I, I think it was a good goal, to be completely honest. If you are if you were to ask me and I were looking at it, I would say it was a good goal. I, I When the replay was initially going through, I saw a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of Oilers fans being like, that was a kick, that was a kick, that was a kick. And I'm like, guys, like, I, I don't really think it's a kick. I think that He's... it was just kind of, it was just kind of an angled skate. Like, it's, I think that he was more so trying to brace himself so that he didn't go headfirst in the post. Now, at the same time, is Blake Coleman thinking to himself, I can kind of do two things at the same time? Probably. I think that it would be silly not to say that. Um, But do I necessarily think it was an actual full-blown kicking motion? No, I don't think so. But like you said, um, you know, this didn't lose the Flames the series. And and even to piggyback off of that, who's to say, because it was with five minutes left, Who's to say the Oilers don't tie this game up? This game was back and forth. Like, yeah. they very well could have tied it up. And had the momentum of multiple games and had their players playing significantly better than the Flames players. Um, I don't think that that's an egregious or outrageous statement to make. Yeah, that's a very good point, Nolan. They very, very well could have tied it up, sent it back to overtime, could have dunked two and won the game in regulation. Who, who knows, yeah. right? Like, it's not worth saying that the, that the that the that the the refs handed the Oilers a win. Yeah. Not exactly. not true. Exactly. I think that's a, that's a little bit of an overstatement for sure. Um Blake Coleman, speaking of Blake Coleman. Blake yes. Coleman is that kid in your homeroom oh. class that couldn't wait to get out of Regina and would let everybody who would listen know that I'm going to move to Calgary when I'm done school. I'm going to get like, you know what I mean? It was just that insufferable kid that was like, I'm going to Calgary and thought that they were sicker than you. And now posts everything on social media about how sick Calgary is and just fucking loves Calgary. And is just disgusting to be around. And that's Blake Coleman, free agent acquisition, Blake Coleman. Um, hope you're enjoying the mountains. You have a cute family. I wish things go well for you, but uh, I don't like you. He's a he. I will say though, he is a pain in the ass of a player to play against. I really like Blake Coleman. So that's why I don't. That's why I don't yeah. like him because he's good. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what you want me <laughs> to fuck say. Fuck off, Blake. <laughs> fuck off, Blake. Um, there's a lot of like. I just. I don't know, man. The do you want? Can, can we? Game's over. Connor McDavid scores in overtime. Oilers win the series four one. Western Conference Final. See you soon. Um, can we talk about the Flames overall? Okay, let's do it. So. When we were doing this series preview and we were talking about like how scared we were, different things like that, um, I think I don't know. I not not I think not. I don't know. I'm perplexed as to what happened with the Calgary Flames because they looked like a completely different team and the wrong way of a different team um, after Game One. Even Game One, they looked sloppy. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, they did not look like the Calgary Flames. Yeah, I mean, you can point at you can point at multiple factors as per why this kind of turned out the way it is. Um and a lot of people are pointing the blame at Jacob Markstrom and I don't put it all on him. 
Um, because at the end of the day, like they surrendered so many high quality opportunities and it comes down to, it almost seems like it was more systems based more than anything. Now, with that being said, um, in the small amount of minutes that Chris Tanev played this series, and I think that was a massive loss. Like people are definitely underrating how big of a loss the Chris Tanev loss was for sure. Um, because he's a damn good defenseman. He's one of the best defensive defensemen in this league. Um, and wasn't you he know, playing like mad hurt as well? Oh my God. He had like, there's a laundry list of injuries he had, which. But like he played two games and they're like, oh, yeah. by the way, Chris Tanev is getting surgery tomorrow. Yeah. On his body. He's, yeah. he's done. So it, it, I think that that, that is definitely a component of it, but at the end of the day, and like, I don't want to, I don't want to tap dance too much or anything like that, because at the end of the day, like the, the Oilers won, like I'm still very much worried about the matchup and about the upcoming matchup and all that stuff. And there's just, there's good vibes right now. We don't want to be too, too negative or anything, but at the end of the day, like the stars didn't show up. Um, Mm -hmm. apparently Matthew Kachuk is, is hurt or hurt his hand or something like that. But, um, he looked fine in game one. So, and at the, the same thing till you could say with Leon Dreisaitl, like Leon Dreisaitl can barely take a one timer right now. And it's because he can't put any pressure on that ankle. So what he's essentially had to do is have this like pseudo um, Joe Thornton, Yarmir Yager sort of style to his play where he's just a big lumbering force that can kind of just make these plays and, and slow it down and transition and make these crisp passes to guys um, because obviously he's the best passer in the NHL. State my case. But the, um, and so it, it kind of makes you think like, where was that with Kachuk? Because even even if even if athletically he's not there, you can still count on him to be a pain in the ass and get under the skin of the opposing players. And after game one, he was invisible. He was completely yeah. invisible. Yeah. And unfortunately, you could say the same thing with Johnny Gaudreau. Now, Gaudreau had his moments. Don't get me wrong. There were times when the Flames would be on the power play and Johnny Gaudreau would make this ridiculous pass that comes out of nowhere. And you're like, how the hell did that go tape to tape? But he he didn't have the series they needed to have. Like, they needed their stars to show up. And the best player in the series, unfortunately, was Michael Backlund. And Michael Backlund is a great player. Sorry, best best player in the series for the Flames? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, yeah. The, continue. Okay. Yeah, the best player in the series was for the, for the Flames was Michael Backlund. And when your best player is Michael Backlund, that's not ideal. And same with Elias Lindholm. Elias yeah. Lindholm was fairly quiet. Like Tyler Toffoli was quiet for yeah. a guy that for another Mange. midseason. Madge was very quiet. Yeah. Like and so it almost makes you think, what the hell happened to this team that and I think to be completely honest was um and and I brought this up even with the like the Connor goal. Now People have some people have said that because did you did you see what like did you see like Gaudreau on the Connor goal? Have you like rewatched the Connor goal at all? Yeah, and he like looked like a sixth line and an AHL player. Yeah, it looks so. Some people have argued that he's trying to cover the point man because that's a part of the Sutter system. I don't think so. I think he's more so trying to cheat for offense so that he can kind of go get that get that quick pass and don't get me wrong we as Oilers fans know of forwards that like to cheat for offense so it's very <laughs> normal but um it just it just looked it just that's just not a, a that's not a play you should be making in game five of an eliminator in an elimination game in overtime that's just not you you can't be doing that you have to play you have to play much more conservatively so it's um 
Yeah, and but yeah, like I did mention previously, though, Jacob Markstrom was definitely a factor. Um, when you're getting beat by the shots he's getting beat on is pretty rough. But I think ultimately the X factor in this series was Jay Woodcroft. I don't know. Jay Woodcroft coached a hell of a series. I'll tell you that for sure. Or I'd agree with you on that for sure. Um, I think personally that this Calgary Flames team was very good and the whole world knew it. And I think that inside of that room, those guys thought that they were going to shit pump the Oilers. I think that if you were at any sort of, if you were a fly on a wall for a closed door meeting, they're like, let's go out there, like hammer these guys, wrap it up in five, four games. Like we're just world-class compared to these guys. We're way deeper. We're way more talented. Our defense is better. Our goalie's better. Look at the season we had, like we're going to go in there and we're going to shit stomp them. And when they had game one, be a shootout the way that it was um, and play as poorly as they did. I think they were back on their heels. And then when the Oilers came out in game two and showed the tenacity and like toughness that they had to bounce back from getting punched in the mouth, like to get up and swing. um, I don't think that the flames were expecting that. And when they got dunked on in the second period of game three, I think they just broke. I think they just crumbled. And let me say this, like once the Oilers had a bit of a lead, the swagger they had on them, Oh like, yeah. They did not give a shit. A guy like Ryan McLeod, who offensively has not really been there for, for, for most of this playoff so far. And I think that's more so just because it's coming together. I really, I have, I'm so high on Ryan McLeod and have, I believe he's got such a bright future ahead of him. But the fact is, is like, he's insane in transition. He's so fast. He looks like there are times where I think that he looks like Connor McDavid when he's got the puck on his stick. Cause like he'll enter, he'll, he'll enter into the opposing team zone and he just looks, the puck is on his stick and he just, he knows exactly where to go. Um, I'd, I'd want to see it. I'd want to see a statistic for time on ice that McDavid and McLeod are like physically on the ice together. But I've been noticing in the games that we've been watching where like they'll get on the ice at the same time for like a change or something like that, or like a post power play. I don't know. It's not very often, but seeing them together, I know what you mean. You're like, Holy fuck. Like which one's which? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it, it like, I've been I've been thoroughly impressed with this play, and I I like I said only have high hopes of him going forward. Um, what the okay? Um, so we've talked about that, and I know this is a brutal transition. I'm sorry. Um, should we just get to a couple of the overall statistics of the Oilers before we move on to the NHL? Um, might as well because okay. there's I'm sure it's going to come up some of the other points that we've got about some of the, some of these flames. So we might as well keep going. Um, Five games, the Oilers dis- the Oilers extinguish the Flames and move on to the Stanley Cup Final. First guys we got to talk about, Nolan, um, are Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, who went full-fledged freak show, supernova, superstar, like everything you'd ever imagine in round two. I mean, this is... We ask for superstars putting up superstar performances and that is exactly what we got um when the moment mattered these guys stepped up to the plate and i know that a lot of people want to do the whole like oh this team is just mcdavid and drysettle but i think when you look up and down the roster when these guys are playing the type of game that they're playing right now that 
like that feeds the rest of this team. Like the guys, the guys in this, the guys in this team feed off of that energy and feed off of that swagger, like I mentioned before. Um, and when McDavid and when Connor McDavid is coming back and playing just as hard in the defensive end as he is on the offensive end, guys relish that. Like they love that, and I think that that trickles up and down the lineup. Um, and I, I mean, you can look at you can look at the splits, but Leon Drysidle has gone. Very under. I mean, I don't think he's necessarily gone under the radar now because a lot of people are talking about how he's underrated in the series, um, which in by itself is a hypocritical or a, an oxymoron, but whatever. Because uh, Leon Dreisaitl had 17 points in the series. Doesn't that that literally doesn't make sense? No, that's these are he set a record, an NHL record that was he broke Wayne Gretzky's record, and the, I, it was a funny tweet. Was like. Um, Wayne Gretzky picked the Flames to win this series, so Leon Dreisaitl responded <laughs> by breaking one of his records. Yeah, the Michael Jordan meme, and I took that personally. Yeah, exactly. And so I, it was like I think most games in a row with three plus points. Like, and it was it was the crazy part about that is I completely forget that Leon had a point on on a certain play. So it was like, oh my god, Leon Dreisaitl just quietly had three points tonight. That that's pretty incredible. Yeah, going back and doing the scoring summary for this game, I was going to do like each goal and, and being like, and Duncan Keith scored with an assist from blah, 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 and Leon Dreisaitl. And then Zach Hyman scored with an assist from Leon Dreisaitl. And I was like, I'm not going to type dry 600 times <laughs> in these game notes when I can just put that uh, both Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are sitting at 26 points in the playoffs. Both have seven goals and 19 assists. Uh, and as you mentioned, 17 points in this series. For Leon Dreisaitl, which is is disgusting. So I'm hoping that the time away from the rink, while the St. Louis Blues Avalanche series wraps up, wrapped up, was enough for maybe Leon to get a little bit of rest, some ice, and and feel better, and maybe get that ankle back to a position where he's playing a little bit more like himself because certainly going to need it. But um, like talking to FFK after the series and just like, hey man, like good game, like or good series, like sorry that your team didn't perform the way that you thought they would, like appreciate everything like you know what i mean just sending like yeah, a, yeah. A, a buddy text right he was like yeah um congrats like enjoy watching connor mcdavid just do disgusting things and i i had it typed out like connor and leon are both doing horrendous things to the opposing team and then i was like there's no really need to talk about that but yeah leon is is going out of his mind yeah at and the same rate that connor is and it's weird it's, like, it's it's problematic and like i previously mentioned it's a guy that's basically that's changing up his game which is so cool like he's just he's playing this sort of stationary like i'm not gonna beat you with my athleticism i'm just gonna make the smartest play on the ice and the most ridiculous passes possible he's and, he's a he's a tank on the battlefield he's slow yeah. but like strong and calculated and delivering yeah. just disgusting blows He's just, and he's just so fucking cool too. Um, another guy that I don't know if I call him cool necessarily, but he's playing really well. <laughs> Evander Kane. Can is we the separate great... the art from the artist for this <laughs> next part? Uh, <laughs> I was about to say something problematic, but we're okay. Um, uh, Evander Kane, as Miles writes, is the greatest playoff goal scorer in Oilers history. Stand has... by that has 12 goals in 12 games, including the game four hat trick. That was just spectacular to watch. And it was spectacular to watch. It was, it was really fun to see. Um, there were a lot of people that were like, I don't like cheering for Evander Kane to do good things. And I mean, we play for my hockey team. I certainly do. So it's okay. 
when I was watching that game with Syed and he got the, he scored the first goal. He's like, no, not Kane. He scored the second goal. He's like, not Kane again. Anyone but Evander Kane. And then he scored the third goal and he was like, no, 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 no. And I feel like that was a very good like encapsulation of what the rest of NHL fans felt like. They're like, you can't keep getting away with this. I I forgot to I forgot to mention too during that uh, during during that game game three yes game three it was the one or yeah yeah game three um, during that game three in uh, in uh, at uh, Boston Pizza uh, my, my dad and I were uh, drinking Boston sized pints, which is a recipe for uh, a disaster. And oh, then look at me, I drink a bunch of beer. Hey, beer's fun. Okay, uh, and then and then we also and then we also did shots as well for every Oilers goal. Yeah, tell them what was, what it was shots of sourpuss, baby. That doesn't even count. <laughs> I'm gonna give my kids sourpuss when they're teething, or I wouldn't. I wouldn't even give my kids sourpuss when they're teething because it's not strong enough. I know. I was being such a bait. My dad was like, "Dude, you you want do you want do you want to do shots of rye?" And I'm like, "No, I'm okay." Shots of rye would be horrible. Like, yeah. Like not horrible, like that's good, but I, I couldn't imagine because didn't you guys do one at the end of the game for however many goals they won by? Yeah, we we did. So it was like three in a row. Yeah, which like if I had to do three rye shots back to back to back, I would I would pass away. Yeah, yeah, you'd be like the it'd be like the uh was it uh Tom and Jerry were like is it is it Tom or Jerry is the is the cat? I can't remember. Tom he's cat. Like, but he, oh no, no Jerry cat Tom the mouse. I don't know. That's a Tom. good question. Tom, hold on let's find get the out. google tom and jerry tj uh, okay uh, a cat named tom and a mouse named jerry you are correct miles good job yeah. but i think it's like it's like jerry like walking up to heaven or like levitating up to heaven that would that would actually be me sorry tom levitating up to heaven not jerry jesus we're all over the place uh yeah but fun night good time and good times by um ek91 please don't please it's always a good time please don't sign him to seven years please um by the way miles i i don't know if we mentioned this yet but zachary martin hyman is really good at hockey did you know that he also wrote a book for kids god he wrote two of them two two books for for kids two books for kids um and he also owns an esports team what yeah he did you not know that He, he owns an esports team what do they play? Like League of Legends? Uh, I think I think Call of Duty. Like the the guy is a modern day Renaissance man. He either I, I he we've used the golden golden oh retriever God. analogy before. Yeah. How can you not like Zach Hyman? He's just he's so perfect. Good. And yeah, I I've he's my dad's favorite hockey player. Of course, I think he's every <laughs> dad's favorite. Like every dad's favorite hockey player at this point. Because he's just, he's so hard on pucks. He's just such a pain in the ass. It seems like every time he goes into a little bit of a scrum, he comes out with the puck on his stick. And he's 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 got some quick legs on him, but his determination is what leads to him scoring goals. And that makes me really happy to see. Um, it was it, it was crazy to see him just the wheels. Like it was it was that first game of the series that I noticed it where the Oilers were getting clapped. And the puck would be skirting out past the uh, past their own blue line, and the Flames defenseman would be retreating to collect the puck, and then there'd just be this flash of Euler, 
And I'm like, who is that? Who's who's skating for the puck like that down 6-1? And it's Zach Hyman just busting his absolute behind to get this puck that he has no business in getting. He's not going to beat Oliver Shillington there, but he's going to skate like he's like he's gonna. He thinks he's gonna. And that's what makes Zach Hyman the just little buzzsaw that he is. You know, little, but just a buzzsaw that he is. Zach Hyman, thank you for being you. We you, love you in Edmonton. Yes, this is this has been not, and it, it it just it contrasts so nicely with the first year of uh, Milan Lucic's deal in Edmonton. By the time the playoffs came, and we're like, "What is this guy doing?" And now it's okay. Zach Hyman is an Oiler. Uh, it's oh beautiful. Uh, Leafs fans, eat your heart out. This next one, Nolan, I have titled the Mike Smith Support Group. Um, because let's, let, let's talk Mike Smith here for a minute, um, excluding game one, because those numbers wreck everything, um, excluding game one here, are Mike Smith's numbers, a 0.925 save percentage on 39 saves in game two, a seven, nine, zero save percentage on 32 saves in nine, game seven, zero, nine, seven, zero. Sorry. Yeah. My notes are very small. Uh, so just about perfect in game three, game four, he has a, uh, nine, Oh, six save percentage with 29 saves. And in the uh, series finale, he was a 0.889 save percentage on 32 saves. So you look at those numbers for the remainder of the series game five, not great. Uh, low shots, but you know, let in four goals. That's tough. It is what it is. Um, excluding those game one, game five, he had a tremendous series. And I yeah. believe he is fourth. He was second after round one. And now I believe he is fourth for goalies in the playoffs for expected save uh percentage yeah, goal uh, uh goal saved above expected there you go that's yeah. the that's the thing so he's fourth i think jake ottinger is second um from series one because it just goes to show how nuts he was vasilevsky moved into third and i think number one was ranta i feel like it might be shesterkin it might be shesterkin fair enough either way yeah. um mike smith's the fourth best goalie in the playoffs Third best goalie that's still in it. Statistics. Miles, if you have wood, knock on it right now. I'm knocking on it. Okay. But this is the Mike Smith support group here at one for one. And um, you're only as good as your last game in the NHL, especially as a goalie with the, the leash that Mike Smith has. But we need to appreciate what he's done so far in the playoffs. He, Yeah, um, I've got to give him credit. Like he's 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 shown up and he's been good. It's just you got to continue to ride that positive energy. And I think at the end of the day, if this team can give him a chance, like he he shouldn't have to steal a series for you. And no. at this point, like how many games has he really stolen for this team so far in the playoffs? I don't think very many. Like he's, Stole. he's had, he I would I would say like like you know game three he had good numbers, but like actually stealing the series, um, I would say two. He's had what he he's stolen two games or oh no he or he stole game two. No, I would say he's he's stolen two games so far okay. in the playoffs. Okay. He I think he won one game for us against the Kings and I think he won one game for us in this in this round okay. as well. Um, and, but 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 that's that that's exactly it. Like the you you don't want to be in a situation where your goalie has to play like twenty eleven Tim Thomas. Because... Well, especially when you have the offensive firepower that the Oilers do. Yes, exactly. And so it's now about, once again, going forward, what guys are going to show up next. And I think this actually... 
Perfect this segue. Perfect segue into our boy, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. We've waxed poetically about him, so we don't have to spend too much time on it. But uh, six points in the series, two goals, four assists, very yummy, yummy, and playing the absolute hockey we needed out of him. Um, I know that you wrote in here 3C. He's actually the second line center right now because Drysaddle's not playing the third or not playing the second line role. Yes. Um, but at, but still like he's playing a very important role with Zach Hyman and yes, Yarby on that line. So um, it's been really welcoming to see an averaging about 20 minutes of ice time a game for a guy that's making $5.1 million. You can't ask for anything more than that. No, he's doing exactly what you needed to. So yeah. shout out, shout out to him. Um, one of the things that I think in this series that set things apart, and we talked about like Jan Crook and Backlund and Lindholm and Mange and um, Toffoli and all these guys on the flames not showing up, um, contrasted by just like the pure output of Oilers depth and how the yeah. Oilers, the Oilers stars played better and the Oilers depth played better and we got better goaltending. And that was just the tail of the tape. And I think Nuge is a big part of that. Nuge and Hyman have been, have been huge for that. So the next guy we're talking about, Nolan, is none other than the Dentine Daddy. And I have titled this uh, Boosh Daddy, Welcome to the Rockstar Zone, as he had three goals in this series, was a plus one in game one, finished plus one overall, and he averaged about 19 minutes of ice time a night. Um, I'm happy with Boosh's game. He's been really good. Um, he has the occasional like flub that looks really, really, really horrible. Um, and I think I actually would really love to see in a, um, uh, and I know that we're really not going to talk about him too much, but, uh, but I, I think it's going to be important because I think he's actually probably going to be a member of this organization going forward. Um, I'd like to see him on a pairing with like Brett Kulak. Mm-hmm. We're like, we're like, we're Kulak and kind of his skating is, is, is tremendous and he's still very, very smart defensively and can kind of cover up for a little bit of Bush's mistakes. Um, but yeah, like at the end of the day, this is still a rookie defense, basically a rookie defenseman that's playing tw- almost 20 minutes a night. Like you can't ask for anything more. And the offensive instincts like this guy just knows how to get a shot through. And that's so important. Absolutely, man. Um, yeah, we love Bush. We love Bush. We love Kulak. Um, we love CC. <laughs> oh my God. We're happy. We're happy with the defense. I cannot believe how much I love Cody CC. I, I always like I'll text friends the odd time that we're like Senators fans and be like, Hey man, just want to say Cody CC is awesome. And they're like, bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, speaking of Evan Bouchard, one of his buddies, Warren Fogel. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Warren what Fogel happened? is minus four throughout the playoffs and has zero points in nine games. I'm going to be talking about uh, why why I have zero points highlighted here as we kind of move on and I make this essay throughout some of the other teams who've been playing well and who, who have been disappointing. Um, looking at the rest of the Oilers' numbers for the playoffs, um, Philip Broberg has zero points in one game. Uh, Broussard has zero points in one game. And Russell has zero points in four games. So those guys aren't playing the number of games that Fogue Daddy is, was, um, and Fogue Daddy needed to, needs to be playing better, needed to be playing better. Honest question, Nolan, is he out of the lineup or did Woody pluck him? Cause today uh, he they, was out for a few games. Cause today the Oilers lines were showing, I think they had him on the third line. Uh, yeah. So he, so he, he has been playing that third line role for the last little bit. Um, just give me one quick second here while I pull up the statistics. I can't remember which game he was out for, if it was game two or game. Oh, no. Okay, so he was out for one game in the uh, 
in the Calgary series. So he was scratched. Oh, so he was scratched for the last few uh, Kings games, and then he was scratched for the first Calgary game. But he played afterwards. Um, I think he's shown a pretty decent amount of chemistry with Ryan McLeod and Kyler Yamamoto. I think that there is something there. Um, I think the bigger problem of this series uh, comes from what's below Warren Vogel. Um, but ultimately, for a guy that's made, that's being paid $2.75 million for the next two years after this, you want a little bit more out of that guy. And for a guy that has, I mean, I think the guy has like 40, 45 point upside to him. It's just a matter of him getting there. Um, and I think that it just comes, I think that that's just going to come with time. I don't I don't want to give up on Warren Fogel just yet. I really think that um, seeing maybe where he is next season um, with a, reinvigorated Ryan McLeod, maybe a guy that that can work on his offensive game this summer. That could be very beneficial. Um, I'm not I, saying I'm mad at Warren Fogle. I want yeah, better yeah. from Warren Fogle. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And and once again, though, like I mentioned, the next round, can be you can completely scrap the previous two rounds and say, yuck, throw that out. I, I was not a part of that. This is a new story. R- write the new story. Um, can I qu- quickly just... Um, talk about the fourth line quickly yeah because i have some things i want to say about the fourth line as well so bring it up fourth line for those josh, folks josh. at home is josh archibald josh. zach cassian and Derek ryan correct yes yes uh, josh archibald i believe what? this is correct i was i was listening to a podcast and they brought this up um at five on five the ice has been outscored five nothing every Rock time star. he steps on the ice um, I, I, I don't see a need for Josh Archibald. I don't see a need for Zach Cassian at this point. And I think that Woody has kind of, is kind of on his last legs with the two of them because, and I know that obviously he's, he's mentioned the, he's mentioned like the nice, like the, you know, the nice numbers or he's mentioned nice things about him or about them, like in the media and stuff like that. Um, but I think that you can tell by the minutes that they're starting to play, but at the, at the end of the games, like. Josh Archibald, let me pull that up. Actually, Zach Cassian probably can be a, a better uh, a better barometer of this. But uh, Josh Archibald in his last few games, let me pull it up here. He has played, so he has one point in the playoffs so far. That's less than ideal. Or no, sorry, I believe that's in the regular season. Oh no, in the pl- uh, no, sorry, in the playoffs he has one assist um, in eleven games. So last few games. Oh my God, Miles. Okay, so we're, we're going to start with, we're going to go game three, game four, game five, okay? Mm-hmm. So game three, he played 742. Rockstar. In game four, he played 657. Good number. And then how many minutes do you think he played in game five? Five. 417. I was close. And that's a guy that also plays on the on, on the PK. Yeah. Let me, let me take a look at Zach Cassian's numbers. Um. Cassian currently has two points in the in twelve games so far in the playoffs. Somehow a plus one. What the hell? Um, oh, Maron. Okay. Starting with game two. All right. Hmm? Zach Cassian four seventeen. Hmm? Oh my shit. Game three five forty three. Game four seven twenty one. Game five two forty eight. I was going to say, I bet you didn't even break four. Yeah, he had five um, shifts in game five. Good Lord. Okay, so we got our wish, and that was Dylan Holloway getting called up as part of the Black Aces. 
And if you're correct in saying that Woodcroft is on his last legs with, uh, with this fourth line, boy, howdy, I sure hope it doesn't take a 3-1 series deficit for Woodcroft to say, okay, Dylan, now is your time to go. Because I think that this matchup against the Colorado Avalanche is going to be very tough. Uh, and I think that the skill and speed that he, he's, he's, he's better upside Josh Archibald with maybe a little bit less reckless uh, physicality 100%. at this point. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah. And I think he's also a guy too, that um, can benefit by playing in transition. Um, Absolutely. He's got that. He's got, he's got insane wheels on him. He's a great skater. And that's what you need against this Colorado Avalanche team. Where did um, he play college? All the way. Wisconsin. Wisconsin? Yeah, okay. Yeah, Wisconsin with uh, Cole Caulfield. Caulfield. Who, uh, is a pretty good player. I don't know if you knew. But I, I just, I, like, I don't know what needs to happen. I think what would be, like, what would be just a chef's kiss of a moment is if you, is if you, we're, gonna, we're just going to tell everyone right now, imagine if you were to scratch Josh Archibald, push and then you were to put Dylan Holloway in his spot with Ryan McLeod and Kyler Yamamoto. That Speed. sounds like that sounds like some yummy yummy in my tummy tummy. That's like that's Lightning McQueen speed. I am speed. That, that third line would be rank. That is a matchup because at the end of the day, on their on Colorado's fourth line, you're pl- they're playing guys like freaking uh darren helm and andrew cogliano and i know that these guys can skate shout out cogs for uh formal oiler but um like i know these guys are older and yes i know they might have they might have still wheels on them but i'm gonna probably i like the idea of playing my early 20 somethings against a bunch of guys that are 35 plus that just that seems like some odds that might be in their favor and taking advantage of those mismatches might be the move for, for Jay Woodcroft. I think the only reason why he hasn't split up that fourth line yet is because the team has been winning. And that moment that first loss happens, I think that either one of those guys gets gets absolutely yanked. I sure hope you're right, man. I just hope that it comes sooner than later because I don't want this to be something that takes a little while to get going and get going too late and not get to see it for what it is because I think it could be really, really special. And I believe um, that we're on a same page, similar page for that. Do you want to do just like a quick little, I don't want to say like preview, but like, do you want to do a quick little like what we prediction? Think about, yeah, exactly. About the series and like things that maybe like we're worried about or things that we're looking forward to. For sure. Fair enough. Um, okay. Breaking it down. Breaking it down. Uh, in these playoffs so far, I think Mike Smith has been better than Darcy Kemper. Yep. I would agree. So I think that the Oilers are getting the check on the goaltending front defense. Um, they're banged up in Colorado, but they're just so gosh darn nasty with Taves and McCarr um, and the Johnsons that I think that I've got, I, and I'm an Oilers fan. I cannot give the Oilers the check mark on defense. I just, I cannot do that. Bowen so I has also found and Bowen Byram is nuts. Yeah. So yeah. I think that, um, that, that, that this Colorado team is better defensively check bang. Um, like more offensive upside on the defense, better defensive defensively, like yep. check, whatever. If we're going off of what have you done for me lately, round two, these playoffs so far, I think that the Oilers have proven to be the better like forward group. Mm-hmm. So I am 
looking at these numbers, special teams, I'd, I'd want to look at things a little bit more. And it's so tough to compare to because, you know, Calgary wasn't Calgary. I don't think that you can look at those, um, at those situations and, and say that one team is, is shit or, you know what I, you know what I mean? I can't, I don't think yeah. that you can really take these, these um, special teams numbers at face value, but I'm giving the Oilers the two, one advantage. And I think that the Oilers win this series in seven. I know that that goes against my bracket, but I have fully engulfed myself in the Kool-Aid. I think the Oilers are going to win this in six. Okay. I think, um, and I think this we're going to have a similar series that that we had ver, that we had versus Calgary and versus LA, where the first game is n- not great, and I. I actually clipped my own clip where I said I thought the Oilers were going to get blown out. And to be fair, they didn't get blown out, but they kind of they got their ass out. kicked. Yeah, yeah they, they got, got their, their ass kicked. kicked. And I said, all it's going to take is it's a little bit of maneuvering, a little bit of chicanery, if you will. <laughs> and I think that this is a moment for Jay Woodcroft to really get an idea of, okay, this is who I'm playing against. These are the matchups that I have to look at. These are maybe because like Jay Woodcroft is a former video coach. This is a guy that that is so strategic in everything he does. He's all about preparation. And he's a guy that I bet you any money that once they have that film, they go back and look at it and say, all right, how can we take advantage of this? And what can we do better than them? And I think that this is going to come down to a battle of coaching between Jared Bednar and Jay Woodcroft. Um, I love what I've seen from Jay Woodcroft so far going up against Todd McClellan and going up against Daryl Sutter. I think that he's made adjustments as needed. With that being said, you're about to go up against a team that has a young hotshot head coach with a young hotshot team. So this is really going to be a test of will more than anything. Um, And this is probably my most like, uh, you know, boomer hockey take, but like, it's going to be about like, who at the end of the day can put the team on their back more. And I think that the level Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are playing at right now is just completely unsustainable for, I'm not saying unsustainable for them. I'm saying unsustainable for Colorado. Um, and like I mentioned before, uncontainable this is also, for Colorado. Unc- yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think this is also a moment too, where, as I previously mentioned, guys lower down the lineup. This is the time for you to make your impact. This could be a series where Tyson Berry has like 10 points. You know, well, like these Tyson are... Berry coming back home, man. Something exactly, to prove. Exactly. Exactly. Or uh or you know a guy like a, a guy like Yesapoy Yarvi, he could be looking at the situation and saying, "Hey, like I'm 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 going a little quiet, but or I've got a little quiet in the score sheet, but you know what? This is a time where he can come back and fire back with five goals in the series or something like that. There's always something new that can happen, and I like the Oilers best guys going up against Colorado's best guys. Fair enough, man. And and I agree with you. And something that I don't think enough people are maybe looking at, because like a lot of the things that I've been hearing from like fan, friends of the show uh, and, and hockey fans in general is like, oh, I don't think that the Oilers are going to be able to contain Kale McCarr. I don't think that they've played against a defenseman that's as um, dynamic as he is, which is fair. But Kale McCarr had three points in the series against the St. Louis Blues. And I don't know if uh, St. Louis Blues, like as a team defensively, are pretty good, but uh, like the Oilers went toe to toe with the Blues yeah. all season. The Oilers went toe to toe with the Avs all season. They've played the same teams. This isn't a bubble team that we can can't compare to other competition. 
like the Oilers have held their own against some good teams, they held their own against Tampa. They've held, held their, held their own against regular season, Florida. Um, the previous two teams that I mentioned, the only real team that they've not shown up against is Minnesota, but otherwise they've played good hockey against good opponents. And I think that they're more than up to the task of, of handling this dynamic offensive team that Colorado is, especially with the addition of Brett Kulak and the emergence of Cody CC. I think that the Oilers are going to be fine. And I've mentioned this before, the Oilers finished third in the league after the Woodcroft hiring. This isn't like, the Oilers aren't good by accident. Like, this is something that we've been seeing for the last little while. It's like the, the oh. team has been playing better. They're um, they're well coached and motivated. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty deadly combination when you get into the playoffs. And I think that the excitement about this team is that just when we think they've reached their, their ceiling, um, I don't know if you've ever seen a 22 jump street. It's like here, like, like here's your ceiling and you just got to. Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Anyways. Um, Tell a miracle. Where are we going to go higher? <laughs> but I, I think that this team is kind of addicted to proving people wrong. And my, my biggest concern though, is um, I do fear Duncan Keith against the speed of Colorado. Um, I think Jay Woodcroft did a really good job in the Calgary series of taking him off of the Goudreau assignment. Um, so please, Jay, do not play him up against Nathan McKinnon, or I will literally burst a burst a blood vessel. I think. Um, but yeah, it's it's just about it's at, at this point it's just making sure that the best guys show up, and if the best guys show up, I like our chances. And at the end of the day. Darcy Kemper hasn't been playing too damn good, so he's still a very good goalie. I don't want that to get oh, twisted. Darcy Kemper's a good very goalie, good. and very good. Just yeah, like yeah. just like we're talking about Jesse Puliarvi, you know, coming into this series and being a guy who's like, I got to show up. Darcy Kemper could do the same thing. There's a lot of guys on that Colorado Definitely. team that could do the same damn thing and say, I got to show up and rewrite the storyline that we're painting you for this series. But I thought that this was interesting, Nolan. Did you hear the Nathan McKinnon? Um, quote about the uh, storyline against playing against Connor McDavid uh about the about the like the uh freaking escrow comment hopefully that gets more viewers and lowers escrow other than that I don't care very cool cool but like I don't want to sound like too much of a homer but like come on man give a little bit of respect to the player that you're going against like um, I I get like the edge and I get being cocky and different things like that but um, the the tweet that was directly quoted underneath of that um, was a guy and he's like this is why I like players like Draymond Green he answers the question he's not afraid to compliment his opponent and talks about the whys and hows I appreciate players who uh, don't just view the media bits as a drag and this is what he was referring to Draymond Green on Nikola Jokic absolutely incredible player that's the reason he was MVP last year that's probably the reason he's going to be MVP again it was absolutely amazing to play against him and he made me better so if you're direct like sorry I can hear you exhaling it sounds like you want to say something go ahead oh I was just going to say um so he he kind of already did do that um before uh, I think it was just after game 7 cuz I watched the I watched the press conference after they after they scored that after they scored that goal to win in or sorry in that uh, game 6 um he uh he said something along the lines of like um of like yeah like I'm looking forward to playing them they he's like they're they've been a really good team Woodcroft has them playing really well lately which is kind of cool that he actually shouted out Jay Woodcroft but no I I see where you're coming from yeah just like just answer the question straight up 
like you don't you don't have to sort of you don't have to dance around it especially in like the western conference final preview media availability mm-hmm. yeah so that's all that i'm saying i just yeah. like rockstar that nathan mckinnon's like um let's get paid more yeah no rockstar that he's like mick david mac david um oh i uh, like who who cares abs and five like that he's that like like punk lebron meme so i don't know cool funny is what it is but like at the same time like bow down to the most high because you haven't been the nathan mckinnon that you think you've been in these playoffs and this season in general so like give give connor the credit where connor deserves it um okay nolan that being said i'm done talking about the series we've laid it out we both think the oilers are taking it we have a different games but we are excited nonetheless to see how they shake out would you mind if we talked about the other playoff series that have taken place uh do you want a quick update to uh rangers hurricanes quickly can we do it when we talk rangers hurricanes absolutely Excellent. Because I would really like to talk about the shock of the playoffs. And that was the Tampa Bay Lightning laying a licking on the Florida Panthers. And then I wrote meow beside it uh, because these cats were docile little kittens that had saucers full of warm milk. Uh, and they certainly did not play like Panthers. They played like domesticated calico cats. Um, all of this was done without Brayden Point in the lineup, which is absolutely insane. Uh, Vasilevsky went X Games mode. Uh, he faced 151 shots in four games and averaged 37.75 shots per game. His save percentages were 0. 0.971, 0. 0.972, 0. 0.971, and 1,000 because he got a shutout in the last game. Nikita Kucherov has 15 points in the playoffs. Victor Hedman has 10. Stamkos has 8. Palat has 8. Um, as does Ross Colton. Nick Paul has six. Corey Perry has six. Kalorn has four. Uh, the reason I'm naming all these numbers is because they're getting production throughout the lineup. It's not Leon and Connor with 26 points and then the next guys with like 12 and 10. Um, they're getting pretty consistent, solid production all the way throughout their lineup. There's only one player on the roster who doesn't have a point and he's played five games. It's like Jan something. He's a defenseman. Jan Jan Ruda, sorry, good at pronouncing names. Um, Fraud Giroux had zero, or sorry, Fraud Giroux had eight points in the playoffs. He was second on the team. He had one assist in the series and was a minus three. Uh, Sasha Barkov, the defensive defenseman, defensive stud, um, had one assist and was a minus five. Jonathan Huberto had two assists and was a minus two. Uh, ultimately, what I'm saying is the big guns on this Florida Calico Cats team uh, did not show up when it mattered, and they got absolutely toasted in this series. My question to you, Nolan, where do the Panthers go from here? And did the Panthers lose this series so much as Tampa Bay just won it? So uh, there's a couple of things I wanted to mention is um, number one, People were worried about Andre Vasilevsky in round one against Toronto. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, what a series for him. Because in game four, like game four, like Florida played really well. And this is apparent. This is also um, after this was hot off of the apparent rumor that some of the guys on the Panthers went to the Peelers the night before. That's who the, I could. I didn't know what team that was about. Yeah, that was that was the Panthers. Rockstar. Um, but the thing with the Panthers, I, I know this probably sounds bad, but like if, if if I'm them, I run it back. I think that this team was really, really, really good this season. Um, but this team also hadn't won a series in 26 years. Like 
you have to just I, I I'm starting to believe more and more that teams need to take their punches before they can really take that next step. And I think this might be exactly what Florida needed was all right, you got into the playoffs, you won your first round, you got the shit kicked out of you in the second. See where you go from here. Cause at the end of the day, you've got one more year left of Jonathan Huberto, because then he's a UFA and he's only making like five million dollars right now. So you got to see what you can do with the money he's at right now. Um, Barkov does go up to ten million this year. Carter Verhage goes up in his deal. Um, I think the Keith Yandel money becomes much more than it was this year uh, from his buyout. So I think at this point you got to just run it back, see how it goes. If you can get Claude Giroux back for a pretty cheap deal, because like Claude Giroux is still really good this season. Like he was just yeah. still a phenomenal player. So um, I, I called him fraud Giroux just simply for the walls, but like yeah. he, he, he's good. Claude Giroux yeah. is a very good hockey player. Yeah. Um, more of the like blunder of deadline acquisition. It, it gets pointed at Ben Shira, who yeah. played like shit. He yeah. was like virtually useless. Yeah. Who could have seen that coming? <laughs> but um, it, the I would love to see this team just continue to be bold and take risks because I think that's exactly what you need to do in this league is you need to take it. And like it was a smart gamble. You know, you're coming off of Tampa having two back to back cups like you're probably thinking to themselves, these guys are going to be exhausted or at worst or even you might even get Toronto in the second round and maybe you take on Toronto and Toronto's just like. They haven't made it past the first round, so maybe they need to take their next shit kicking. So they could have very well been the Panthers in this situation. But I think you just got to run it back, continue to take chances, continue to take swings, see if you can go get, see if you can get some really high caliber offensive players for sort of you know I want to win in Florida discounts because you never know, right? Um, my no. biggest my my biggest takeaway from this is like, man, Joe Thornton is probably going to retire because I don't yeah. think he's getting another contract and. Jason Spezza just retired. It's the end yeah. of an era. Yeah, man. I just I wanted to see Joe Thornton finish with a cup in the air. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you 100. The Edmonton Oilers when they go win back to back. Maybe maybe Jumbo Joe will sign a league vet minimum contract in Edmonton next year and just take draws for Connor McDavid and then skate to the bench. Who knows? Let's go, King. Let's go. Uh, next series, Nolan. And I know you've been dying. You've been chomping at the bit to tell me. Rangers Hurricanes playing game seven right now. Um, teams that score first in game sevens win 75% of the time. Um, I believe the home team in the past couple seasons, these are my game seven stats that I didn't get to talk about at the beginning of the show, um, are 11 and 10 so far. Uh, or the home teams are 11 and 10 in game sevens. With those stats in mind, how's it looking? So have you seen anything from this while uh, we've been recording? When we started, I saw it was 2 nothing Rangers. So it's now 3 nothing Rangers. <sighs> and so 3 nothing, and we're about to enter the third period. Holy. Anti-Rent is out of the game. Hurt? Yeah. Oh. And, and Pitor Kochetkov is now in. I swear to God, if we see the next Cam Ward situation, I will I will blow a gasket. <laughs> oh, the Rangers. Um, okay, Canes can't win on the road, and it's fucking them over. New York Rangers, are they more than just a good goalie yet, Nolan? I'm asking because you were a dick to me before. <laughs> they've been they've been playing well. They've been playing well. They've they've, they've really well. been looking good. Um, 
<laughs> uh, Gallant calling Tony D a fucking loser after one of the games in New York, like leaning over the bench and pointing at him. And he was like, you're the, lo- you're a loser. You're the problem. Like just giving him the gears. Very funny. Um, yeah. Uh, we're going to the third period and the Rangers are up three. I don't think that they lose it. I, at the beginning of the day, I said that the Canes were going to win this one, but, um, tail of the tape, man. Rangers uh, came out and it looks like they want it more. Young guys have been playing really well for the Rangers. Uh, Artemi Panarin really quiet in the series. Um, he hasn't been, he hasn't been popping off like we like, you know, Artemi Panarin, if you're going to make $11.5 million a year. <laughs> got a ball. Fit. Yeah. Yeah. You got a ball. Um, Adam Fox has also just been just tremendous. Uh, besides Shesterkin, he's probably been their best player of the series. And Zabanajad has finally come alive too, which is good to yeah. see. Cops playing good hockey too. Rangers are a good team. Rangers are Rangers are tough. Yeah, should we get to quite possibly the most dramatic series of this uh, second round? Absolutely. So we spoiled it because this is the team that the Edmonton Oilers are facing in the Western Conference Final, and that is the Colorado Avalanche who rid the Blues um, of playoff hope in six games. Uh, Nazem Kadri, this season, this series started off with a, with a bang uh, as he took out Jordan Bennington in game one, something that I'm sure enough hockey fans have heard and are tired of hearing about. Um, the Blues have shown a lot of heart to keep up and stay in that fight. Uh, Vili Husso is a very good goalie as well, so I don't think that they really took much of a, a downgrade necessarily there. Bennington was playing fantastic. I'm not trying to say anything negative about Bennington's performance. He's playing really good in the playoffs, but Husso is, is damn good as well, so people shouldn't be surprised that he stepped in and played well. Um, Kadri said that he was just going for a puck. It looked kind of scummy that he went in the way that he did. Bennington threw a water bottle at him after the uh, after the game. That's a shit um, I fucking hate by Jordan Bennington. It's just just been theatrics after theatrics. Yeah. Uh, so that was the Kadri hit, and that set the tone for the rest of the series. Uh, Troy Krug also hasn't played since like Game Five against Minnesota, which I think was a huge loss for St. Louis, as he's like their best defenseman. Um, not really getting talked about very much in the series either. Similar to like Brandon Tana being out. Uh, Kadri and McKinnon had Hatties, uh, different games, but they both had hat tricks. Kale McCarr, as mentioned, had three points in the series. So he's been pretty low key. Uh, they're getting great, great production up and down the lineup as well. Um, I can't remember his first name, but Gerard, he's a defenseman, broke Sam his stern. Sam Gerard broke his sternum in game one, which sounds horribly painful. And we hope that he heals up quickly, but that's a huge loss as well uh, for the avalanche. So some, some big names not playing in this series for both sides. Uh, David Perron had a month for Royler had a monster game four, game three. I don't know. Can't remember, but Rob Thomas uh, also had two goals in game five. The Terra Sank show has been playing well. Pavel Buchnevich has been playing great. Um, yeah, there's no scrubs that uh, that St. Louis team is, is good and, and was good and played really well. Also, who the fuck is Scott Perenovich? If you would have listened when we did our season preview, I told you he was the St. Louis Blues X Factor. Thank you very much. He was their rookie defenseman that won a Hobie Baker. I apologize, man, because uh, that was, when I heard his name getting talked about because he was playing on the power play and had an assist or something like that. And I was like, oh, another Russian defenseman like that I've never heard of. This is crazy. But no, <laughs> he's American. Name, the first name Scott. <laughs> yeah, uh, Scott. Scott from Minnesota. Um, well, Miles... I mean, so much, so much that I have to say. Um, first and foremost, I, I think that we need to basically talk about 
more about Nazem Kadri because there is a whole lot that goes into this. So obviously, uh, Kadri takes out Jordan Biddington. Biddington throws a water bottle at him during his during Kadri's TNT post game interview. Um, a little embarrassing on Biddington's part. I don't think necessarily that Kadri meant to injure Jordan Biddington, um, but nonetheless, whatever. Um, and then obviously, as everybody probably knows, uh, Nazem Kadri and his family were subject to some horrible racist threats from uh, piece of shit hockey fans, and I wouldn't even call them hockey fans. Just um, ma- mega yeah, people. Yeah. Like, once again, I don't think that we need to uh, continue to say this, but unfortunately it has to be said. Uh, don't be racist and don't be an asshole. And just don't send, like, don't send messages like that to players. Like, it's just it's just not necessary. Or to their wives or girlfriends. Like, it's just not necessary. Like, leave them alone. You got to have um, a pretty, you got to have a pretty sad life if that's how you're choosing uh, to spend uh, your free time. Like, yeah. I, I want, I want to feel bad for people that do shit like that because of like how lonely and weird they must be to yeah, take time out of their lives cl- to say shit like that yeah they've clearly got some major mental health issues um and uh obviously nazim kadri's wife shared a bunch of them and uh there were consequences and unfortunately when you do shit like that you're gonna see consequences and i have no sympathy for the people that did have to have to deal with those um with that being said nazim kadri followed up the initial the initial sort of craziness with the hat trick in that game, uh, and which also included the ending with the David Perron thing. Uh, we actually forgot to mention this because it's kind of connected to the Edmonton Calgary series too, but um, David Perron, I believe at the end of game two or game three, I can't remember which one it was, but it was the one where Nazem Kadri had the hat trick. Um, and near the end of the game, uh, he was actually going, uh, when Nazem Kadri scored his, I believe it was either his second or his hat trick goal, he basically went to go elbow him in the head and missed. Who's him? Like, he, uh, Peron went to go elbow Nazem Kadri. In the oh, head. okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, just... Just bush league bullshit again, and obviously Perron never never had any supplemental discipline for that situation. As per the same with the Calgary Flames when the Oilers were on the power play, and uh, they were basically hacking at Leon Dreisaitl's ankle. Um, garbage shit. I don't care if it's the playoffs. Don't try and injure players. It's it's not cool. Um, that's that's crossing a line. But uh, I mean. You have to, yeah, you have to really give it to Dazm Kadri. This was his series, in in my opinion. He was the star of it. He completely got under the St. Louis Blues skin and capitalized on it. So really great to see. Great player, man. I I, I only wish the best for Nazem Kadri. Like, I hope he has an awesome summer. I hope he makes he's, a shitload of money. He's kind of a shit. Like, he's oh, a good hockey player, but he's a shit. He's he's a shit, but he's once he's similar to a Matt Kachuk. It's the guy that you hate playing against, but you would love to have on your team. Like I would love to have Nazem Kadri on my team. Yeah, fair enough. He's 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 effective at what he does for sure. Yeah. Um. God damn it. Okay. Well, since since we're gonna we're gonna do one last um uh not cool thing, and we're not gonna really get too much into it. You know because what? It's... I can take it, Nolan. You always okay. get you always get to be the bearer of bad news. I might as well get to, to take one as well. Um, news that has been rocking the hockey world. I'm sure you've heard of it um, in the past couple of days because it's been getting a lot of attention as it should. But the fallout from the Hockey Canada 2018 World Junior Championship banquet, uh, absolute debacle. Um, 
yeah, long story short, if you haven't looked into it, uh, it's something that maybe you should take the time to read about uh, because the actions and, and consequences of this event um, have, have tremendously affected the lives of the victim, the life of the victim. Uh, some very, very scummy, horrendous things done by eight members of this World Junior Team Canada team. Um, again, don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. Ultimately, it's been settled out of court. It's pretty gross, very graphic. Uh, read the story at your own risk, but definitely thoughts go out to the victim there. And I'm sure that the people that were involved in this are going to get their day. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, because just, at the end of the day, abusers are going to get, uh, are going to get outed. Just reprehensible actions. And like Miles said, please just read that at your own risk. It's very graphic detail. And, and I just, I'm always shocked at just how horrible some people can be and, and horrible people can, you know, these horrible actions people can, can take. It's just, it's, it's disgusting. It's reprehensible. It's awful. It's every, every word in the dictionary, but, um, Miles, follow that up, follow follow that up with some good news. Sure. Let's do that. Some really good news, some cute news. Um, so Bruins and devils player, former player, Jimmy Hayes. Uh, tragically passed away in the summertime. Uh, it's left a huge hole in the hockey community in the Massachusetts area and for his family and his brother, Kevin, who plays on the Philadelphia Flyers. But his son was playing mini stick hockey in the basement and the Bruins got their anthem singer down there to sing the national anthem in Jimmy Hayes' son's mini stick rink. And a video got posted of it and it was really cute and really well done. And this little kid was just kind of looking up like, what the fuck is going on? But uh, very thoughtful from the Bruins to do that, to uh, to keep giving back to the Hayes family, who's obviously had their life turned upside down. So very cute, very nice. And I like it. That's very good content. I love to hear that. Um, Miles, it, I'm going to answer your question already. I did not watch the World Junior Hockey Championship, so do you want to take this one? World Junior or World Championship? Or sorry, the World the, the the World Championships. Well, no one at one for one. We're going two for two because neither of us watched this A-O. hockey. Ao, I was watching the Celtics and Miami Heat. I know that was at two different times of day, but I mean, I didn't watch a single game of this tournament. Sorry to say, um, I honestly didn't even really follow it. <laughs> to be honest with you well um, we were out for brunch and i saw on the tv that canada was playing finland and i was like oh shit they made the final that's cool um no disrespect to the players that are on that team it's a good tournament and the folks that like watching it really like watching it and doesn't take anything away from the fact that finland took the gold medal home canada brought home silver czechia got bronze which is a real country nolan not uh, chechnya Fuck off. and the, the united states uh were best of the rest and got fourth uh, I was reading the notes from this game as well, the game against Finland and Canada, and it looks like there were some really weird, like janky ass penalties and and antics that went on in the game. Uh, Chris Drieger, who's Canada's starting goalie, got hurt, and then Tompkins came in, who was cold. He hadn't played a single game all tournament. He was Canada's goalie at the Olympics, um, so just an, an interesting choice to be on that team in general. Um, but there was something about like a Miro Heiskanen high stick that wasn't a high stick that he hit himself in the face and then it got called a penalty and then Canada was shorthanded and then they got scored on and then Canada scored um, to make it three, three and center into overtime in a really dramatic fashion. So all in all, it seemed like it was a pretty wild game. Um, actually kind of sad. I missed it because it sounds like it was, it was pretty, pretty exciting, but congratulations to Finland and the players that are on that team. 
uh, that's going to be huge for uh, for a country like Finland to win a world championship. Those Europeans love winning a world championship. They don't care what it's in or where it is, but they fucking love drinking in the street. Their fourth, their fourth title or their fourth, uh, their Back. fourth gold medal. Yeah, good for them. Good yeah. for them. Good for Finland. It's really good to see. Um, well, Miles, uh, shall we read off the rest of the games we got ahead of us? Absolutely, Nolan. This is a lot of fun because we are looking at the Western Conference final schedule that kicks off tomorrow, Tuesday, May 31st at the Ball Arena in Denver, Colorado. Two days later on Thursday, June 2nd, they will play game two. Game three is in Edmonton on Saturday, June 3rd, followed by game four, also in Edmonton on Monday, June 6th. If necessary, they will head back to Colorado for June 8th's game on a Wednesday. They will come back to Edmonton for game six on Friday, June 10th, and we'll wrap things up game seven again, if these last three, if necessary, Sunday, June 12th. Very exciting. Wild. I, I can't believe we're here. And boy, I can only imagine. Oh, I am nervous, but I'm also very excited at the end of the day. Um, Miles, can I mention one last thing? Can you let me kind of stand on a soapbox for one last second before we go? I just need like a minute. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I, I try not to get too political. I don't, I don't like to give any political opinions or anything like that. Um, I just wanted to just give a shout out, um, right now we have a provincial election coming up in Ontario in a couple days. And, um, I just wanted to just tell everyone uh, kind of about what I'm sort of looking out for and looking out for a group of healthcare workers. Um, the nursing field, especially out in Ontario, has been uh, the way that they've been treated is completely r- ridiculous and disrespectful in so many different ways. Um, obviously, I have someone very close to me that's also a nurse, um, and the nursing community is overworked, underpaid, and understaffed. And I just wanted to just tell everybody, if, you, if you're in Ontario and you are listening, just please keep that in mind um, when you do make your ballot count. Um, yeah, I don't want to get into, get into it too much more. It was just something I've been very passionate about the last little while, and I just wanted to sort of bring that up before we close out the episode today. Shout out nurses. Shout out nurses. Hell yeah, Nolan. Do your thing. I uh, care about, obviously, the, the close nurse to the show. So congrats to, to them and yeah, big, big election coming up in Ontario. Definitely going to set the, set the tone throughout the rest of Canada with some uh, big provincial elections and big leadership elections looming. So politics, hockey, arts, (laughs) culture, it's all here at one for one. We're excited for the Western conference final starting tomorrow. Oilers avalanche going to be nasty. Can't wait to see how it all plays out. And as always, Go Oilers, go. Go Oilers, go.